Tonight, if you'll turn with me, please, in the Word of God to Isaiah chapter 10, one verse of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse number 27 uh, in our hearing together tonight. I want to just share a few moments, if I may. I don't want to exhaust you. I'd like to exalt you tonight, if I can, in the Lord. Uh, but in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, we read these words, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? Because of the anointing. What does it take to experience revival? What does it take to experience a true move of God? What does it take to experience healing and salvation and deliverance and an empowerment of the Holy Ghost of God? I believe it takes a breakthrough anointing to see that accomplished in our day. Brothers and sisters, the overwhelming needs of this generation, the pressing needs of this broken, burdened, overstretched generation today is simply cannot be met without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Someone said, what is the anointing? Well, an old guy back in the mountains one time said, I don't know what the anointing is, but I sure know what it's not. And I think we all can say that from time to time. Simply put, and maybe oversimplistic, but to me, the anointing is when God's Holy Spirit comes upon me or comes upon an individual and works through us to meet a particular need in the life of an individual that will bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. To me, that is the anointing. It's like the virtue that will flow out uh, into the lives of somebody. I know for sure, for surety tonight uh, that that may seem like an oversimplification of the word anointing uh, for such a, a deep uh, theological matter. But let me say this tonight, if I may. God places an anointing upon individuals that we might be change agents uh, within the hand of the Almighty God. Many people do not look to the local church for a breakthrough anointing. Many don't look to the local church uh, that gets them out of the gridlock that they find themselves in. And therefore, many people will go to tent revivals. They'll go to convention centers. Uh, they'll go to a crusade somewhere. And they look for that one special evangelist uh, that God seems to be using and they say we'll go there uh, because surely we can find a breakthrough here. May I remind you that some people have more faith in a man of God than they do this man called Jesus Christ. There are some people who have more faith uh, in an evangelist uh, than they do the Word of God itself. Today's breakthrough anointing should be, can be, and must once again be found in the house of God today where it's always been. The answer for the woes of the problem today is the anointing of God's Holy Spirit anointed preaching, anointed leaders, anointed deacons, anointed worshipers, anointed musicians, anointed singers, and anointed people, and anointed prayer warriors in the house of God today. I believe that the breakthrough anointing can break the religious spirit uh, that's caused many of us to eat the crumbs uh, that fall from the table of the living God. We don't need stale bread when we can have the living bread. We don't need brackish water when we can have the living water uh, that flows uh, from the throne of the very God. I believe tonight Elisha cried out, where is the God of Elijah? And friend, maybe we need to ask the same thing. Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Daniel? Where is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where is the God of Peter? Where is the God of Paul? And where is the God that rose from the grave and ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God tonight? The promises that he gave are still true and the one who gave the promise is still very much a 
alive and still working uh, through his church today. And the promise is, uh, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Has the modern day church grown so complacent Have we come so full of unbelief that we no longer want the move of God? We no longer want the anointing of God. We no longer want the power of God. Have we become so complacent? Have we become so lukewarm? Have we become so carnal that we simply do not want God to move among us? And you know what? There are many churches tonight that don't want the move of God. They would rather have their carnality. They'd rather have their platitudes. They'd rather have their little group. They don't want to grow. They're just happy and content wherever they are. But oh God, will you do something that'll shake us out of the pew of our complacency tonight that the power of God may fall yet once again. In some ways, this generation that we live in reminds me of the generation of Gideon of old. The book of Judges pictures a nation that needed the breakthrough anointing. He said, let's get the picture. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midians seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, uh, the uh, children of Israel made them the dens, which are uh, the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown uh, that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth until uh, they come to Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers before the multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. Now, friend, Israel needed some help, and they realized their help came from man, not man, but from God. They needed help. Many, they were oppressed. They were so full of oppression and fear that they were hiding in caves for fear of their life. I remind you, we live in a world today that's oppressed, depressed, and many are possessed by the enemy of our soul today. Sins of all type have trapped humanity, bound by strongholds that we normally call addictions in our culture. Daily we see people that are bound by drugs, that are bound by alcohol, that are bound by pornography, that are bound by sexual addiction, and bound by many other vices. Uh, today people are giving in to suicide, giving in to genocide, giving in to murder, uh, giving in to occultism, and giving in to cults themselves, and the list again goes on and on and on today. But the Jews in Gideon's time, they were so fearful, they were so afraid that they hid in the caves and hid in the mountains. Real fear haunts people today. I remind you, I see it in the lives of people often, we have fear of government, fear of failure, fear we have enough money, fear are we going to make it, fear of what somebody says, fear of what somebody's going to do, fear of sickness and disease, and the list goes on and on and on. Fear is too real in the lives of many people who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he has destroyed every foe and every enemy of our life, and one of those being fear. And yet we allow ourselves to be captivated by this ugly thing called fear. And it's robbing us of our joy. It's robbing us of our victory. It's robbing us of our peace of mind. In many cases, it's robbing us of life itself. Millions of people are crippled by fear. But the church must offer the answer. Polite sermons, powerless prayer, 
And empty songs is not going to bring the anointing of God. God's answer to the woes of any nation, God's answer to the woes of any people group is a breakthrough anointing that can come only from the throne of God. God is always looking for people to whom he can pour his power into that we might become life-changing vessels, someone to lead the charge. Ironically, in Gideon's day, God found such a man. And of all places, he found him at a wine press. God may not find who he's looking for in church. I believe he's looking, but he may not always find it because we don't always avail ourselves to God. If the assemblies of God does not want a genuine move of God, he'll go down to the Methodist church. He'll go down to the First Baptist church. He'll go down to the First Church of the Frigidaire and thaw them out. God is looking for a place that he can deposit his presence in this last day. A place he can pour out his spirit to do great works for God. And with a man called Gideon, he was found at a wine press of all places. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The word valor means great courage in the face of danger, especially in the midst of battle. There's a battle for the soul of our nation. There's a battle to rob your children from the things of God. There's a battle to divorce families. There's a battle to rob, kill, and to destroy. But God is looking for an individual. God is looking for a people. God is looking for a church that will stand up in the midst of all the danger and the midst of the battle and say, you know what? I believe in God. I believe in God's authority. I still believe in God's power. He reminds me somewhat of the fact that Gideon did not quit. People that day were quit working. They were so fearful and scared they quit working, but not so with Gideon. Gideon reminds me of the French resistance in World War II. They were outgunned, they were outmanned, they were outnumbered, but they just kept on swinging. They just kept on working, and thank God they did a great work for the Lord. Fear can cripple people, freezing us into inactivity, freezing us into defeatism. But God's looking for someone to pour his anointing into. So the cycle of poverty and the cycle of fear and the cycle of oppression and the cycle of defeatism can be broken in the name of Jesus. And I want you to, I want to stop here. And I want it to sink in. If you look in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, outside of a few names, we don't know all the 120 that were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know a few names, but not all of them. God anointed Normal man, normal women. Yeah. I've done made up my mind, and I know I'm never going to be invited to preach at a general council or district council or a sectional council. My name's not going to be in Broadway. I could care less. I'm a peep squeak as far as the world's concerned. But the kingdom of God is made up of peep squeaks, Amen. anointed of the Lord. Amen. And when you read the book of Acts, you'll see that many of those quote unquote peep squeaks didn't squeak anymore after the anointing of God's oil came upon them. And they were change agents in the hand of God. I'm here to tell you, I don't care who you are, how old you are, what the color of your skin is, how much money you have in the bank account, if you'll get under the spout where God's glory poured out and you'll stay there until you are full of God's spirit, he will use you in an unprecedented manner in a way that you'll never know. Well, I was working at the wine press and God got hold of me. he get hold of you in a tractor trailer riding down the road. He'll get a hold of you while you're in a police car riding down the road going somewhere. Not as a, if you're a passenger or a worker, it don't matter. God will get hold of you wherever you are and he'll do something in your life 
for the good of the people. You may say, but I'm nobody. God specializes in taking nobodies and making somebody's out of them. Oh, Moses thought he was somebody. For 40 years, man, uh, he was the big cheese in Pharaoh's court. Then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert thinking he's a nobody. And then God took the next 40 years of his life and took a nobody and made a somebody out of him. I'm going to tell you, if you're breathing tonight, God said, I'll pour my spirit upon you in this last day. If you're here tonight, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon you in this last day. I don't care who you are. Create that hunger in your life for the Lord. Let me hasten. There must be a time in our life where we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. There's got to come a time in our life where we say, enough is enough. In that moment, we cry out to God. We cry out in desperation for God. And that's what Israel did. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Mennonites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Do we murmur and complain? Do we say it's not going to change? Do we get mad at the government? Do we get mad at our neighbor? Do we get mad at our spouse? Do we get mad at our kid? Do we get mad at the church? Do we get mad at the preacher? Or do we say enough's enough? I'm crying out to God. And God, because you are on the throne, you will hear and answer my prayer and my petition and will do something that will bring glory and honor to your name. Do you really want God to do something amazing in your life? Do you really want God to do something amazing in your life? Or are we happy with the status quo? Somebody said status quo was French for this is the mess I'm in. It may be we have to ask God to forgive us for someone we've hurt. It may be we have to ask God to forgive somebody that has hurt us. Or maybe we didn't ask God to forgive us for something we may have done or not done or something we have said or not said to somebody else. Before God can pour the anointing of God into us, it may require that he cleanse us again. Paul put it this way, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For I have to desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. The old self must die. God wants to pour into us a powerful anointing, but we cannot handle it until we are clean. Let me tell you something, friends. Maybe we need to get before the Lord and say, God, search my heart. Is there anything in me that needs to come out? You see, you can't put something of God in you if something of carnality in the flesh is in there now. If you buy a new living room suit at your house, you've got to take the old one out before you can bring the new one in, right? You can't just bring two couches in and two love seats in and two rocking chairs in and two coffee tables in and and two end tables in and four lamps. It may look good, but friend, it's not going to be very good. You got to move something out before you move something in. And by the same token, sanctification is still a powerful biblical doctrine today. We are set apart from sin and set apart to the service of God. And the more that God lays upon you and me to get rid of, the more of his glory, the more of his power, the more of his anointing he can put within us. It's not about works. It's about surrender. It's about being obedient. We've got to make room for the Lord. The process may be uncomfortable to the flesh, but we must be readying ourselves for the anointing. Notice, if you will, what happens when the people of Israel begin to cry out to God? In Judges chapter 6 and verse 7, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Mennonites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all oppressed.'" 
you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. What's the point of calling out to God if you don't expect him to answer? And when they cried out to God in wholeheartedly faith, God answered. Revival breakthrough often starts with one person. Maybe it's an Isaiah. Maybe it's a Nehemiah. Maybe it's an Esther. Maybe it's a William Seymour. Uh, maybe tonight it might be a Bark Montaigne or a Billy Graham or a John Kilpatrick. God uses people. God uses vessels that he might put his treasury. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a testing ground. It is a temple. It is a tool. It's an instrument that can be used of the Almighty God. God uses normal people just like you and me. And God often sends a prophet to let us know that the anointing of God is is on its way. Our response is to build a level of expectancy and to prepare our heart for the great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon his people. I believe that revivals are God's trumpets proclaiming that he's going to sweep across our land, across us in the last day of this harvest. If we're hungry, prepare ourselves for such an outpouring of his presence. Friend, I don't think it's far off. Don't be satisfied with stale bread when you have the living bread. Don't be satisfied with brackish water when he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Don't let go of the altar until God touches you. Don't let go of the altar until you touch God. And don't let go of the altar until you have been filled with a breakthrough anointing that can be used in this closing day of time. Listen to the words. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That, my friend, is the result of seeking the Lord and following through with obedience. It's not enough to have the touch of God upon us. We must maintain that touch of God upon us. God often uses anointed people to pour into our lives. Now, friend, what makes people effective is not they were simply good preachers. What makes people effective is that they were anointed of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you're anointed of the Spirit of God, people recognize it. You're going to go up and say, I'm prophet so-and-so. I'm anointed so A Friend, just live your life and let God work through you. Elisha recognized the anointing that was in Elijah. And what did he say? He asked for a double portion. Elijah responded by saying, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Elijah could not give to Elisha that which Elijah could not control. Let me say it again. Elijah could not give to Elisha what Elijah himself could not control. I don't turn the anointing off and on like a light switch. God uses us severally as he wills for the glory of God. Only God can respond. And he will use people as vessels. He'll honor their faith. He'll honor obedience. He'll honor our prayers. He'll honor our sacrifice. But ultimately, he's the one that we've got to seek. We don't go seeking people say, rub your anointing off on me like a genie in the bottle. We can't do that, friend. We've got to come to God. God's the one who pours out. God's the one who baptizes. God, the Holy Spirit's the one who anoints us for service today. There's no superstars of faith. There are only superstars of people that are anointed of God. And I'm not even sure she's the word superstar. The ingredients, the common denominator of all revivals, the last center was one thing. Common denominator, the anointing of the Spirit of God. It was the anointing 
that visited Azusa Street and in, in, in there with, with William Seymour. It was the anointing of God uh, that was in Seoul, Korea, Seoul, Seoul, South Korea under Brother Cho. It was the anointing of God uh, that brought Catherine Kuhlman out of the woodwork and healing revival flowed. It was the, it was the anointing of God uh, that came to Brownsville under leadership of John Kilpatrick. And it's the anointing of God that raised up a man by the name of Reinhardt Bunky that was yielded to God. But I'm going to tell you something about that. God can place anointing upon people and people can reject the anointing that's on that person. When I was studying my doctorate many, many years ago, Reinhard Bonnke was one of my professors for a week. It was fascinating. He was teaching a class on power evangelism and I talked to him quite a bit. He wouldn't know me if he ran into me out in the street somewhere, but we had several conversations. He's going to be with the Lord now. He told us about the great crusades in Africa and how the many hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands, came to the Lord and how many were healed and delivered and born into the kingdom of God. So we were required to stay over on a Friday night after class was over. We normally go home Friday evening to be home for Sunday, but we were required to stay at a, at a, at a church on Sunday night, I mean a Friday night for him to preach. And we all gathered there and people from the congregation of that particular church and all around the town, oh, they couldn't come to wait uh, to see this icon, to see this superstar of the gospel with the anointing upon him. And service was opened up there in that little church in Norfolk, Virginia, the same way it opened up in Africa. Same song, same prayer, and he got up to preach and it was as dead as last year's bird's nest. He gave the altar call and nobody responded. He walked around like a disgruntled man like, what in the world's the matter? And I learned a valuable lesson. A man of God may be anointed with a message for the hour, but if people out there don't want it, God's not going to force himself on anybody. And friend, it's not just important that the pastors and the, and the choirs and, and the musicians and the singers and the prayer warriors be anointed. I believe we've got to have a hunger in our heart to want what God desires to feed us. If we don't, we're wasting our time. Yes. And you may be here now and say, Pastor, I, I'm just a Christian guy. I just don't want to mess with me. I just want to go to heaven. That's grand. That's wonderful. But God has brought you into his kingdom for such a time as now that he might place his spirit upon you to be used in this last day for the good of the people and the glory of his name. These men and women I referred to were not special people. They weren't educated beyond anybody else necessarily. They weren't more polished, well-versed, or simply in the right place at the right time. They were chosen of God and they were anointed of God to do a mighty work because they were hungry. And the same type of anointing is available for we peep squeaks. For you and for me. Here tonight. God may use a messenger's prayer. Get this. God may simply use a messenger's prayer. The people are like the woman with a small flask of oil pouring into empty jars and were filled. Remember this? So she went from him, shut the door behind herself and her sons, and, she, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. The oil did not stop until they ran out of jars. There was sufficiency of oil, but there were too few jars. We are jars of clay. The oil is sufficient. But do we have the tops on the jars and it just bounces off? Are you following me? I say let's take the top off 
And say, let's just bring our vessels again and again and again to the presence of God. And let him continue. People with the anointing can pour oil through prayer and the laying on hands, but it must take God to do the filling. The final step in Gideon's anointing was a life-changing encounter with God. Gideon learned to obey and worship, but it took steps of faith, it took steps of sacrifice, and it took steps of courage. There are no shortcuts to the breakthrough anointing with God. A flash encounter will not produce the changes that needs to be brought in our lives. Through the years I've witnessed that people come to an altar, they want to be touched, but they don't want to be transformed. I remember a lady many years ago, Richard, you remember this in Tazewell, my home church. A lady came to the altar one Sunday morning and cried and bawled and squalled. And, and, the, and the pastor went up to lay hands on her. Uh, what do you need? You want to be saved? Oh, no, I just want some relief. He said, I can't do a thing to help you. Oh, we want to touch. We want to feel good. We want the goosebumps. But friend, I don't want to touch. I want a habitation. I don't want to be touched. I want to be transformed. I don't want to have visitation. I need the habitation. May he possess who we are for the goodness of his name. Paul the apostle gave us a secret, I think, to receiving and maintaining the anointing. It's found in his words. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Fellowship with God means partnership with God. Although his yoke is easy, it is still a yoke. We must labor together with him and it's hard work in plowing the ground and planting the seed and nurturing uh, the potential crop and bringing forth the harvest. The anointing breaks the yokes of bondage, the yoke of fear, but the Holy Spirit places on us yet another yoke. It connects us with Jesus and without that connection, this holy visitation will never become a holy habitation. Understand this, we're yoked up with him. We're near him. Getting had an encounter of God. It wasn't goosebumps running up down the spine. It wasn't shaking for joy. It was a real life-changing encounter. And God used an ordinary man at a wine press where he found him to change a nation. If God can take a Gideon from a wine press, what can he do with a Charlie from a church? Uh, what can he do uh, with, a, with, a, with anybody, an Ernie uh, from a church? What can God do with any of us if we avail ourselves? To the presence of the living God. I've experienced it in my home church in the mountains of Virginia. There were two struggling churches, two Assembly of God churches about three to five miles apart. They were dying. They came together and they united. One pastor brought the two boards together and they built a beautiful building. People said, you'll never get the thing paid for. They paid for it in less than, less than a year. Uh, you never feel it. The thing was filled up and about running over uh, within the first two or three years. People were saved. People were healed. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thought we lived in a constant revival. I thought all churches operated that way. But that certainly was not the case. We've come here in this church, friends. I want to remind you. We've seen the same thing here. I've witnessed it many times in my own ministry. And new life we've experienced God. What he can do if we allow him to do it. We've come to where we are from 18 people and many rats. From a church that was about to be buried to one that come alive. Scores of people have been saved. Scores of people have been healed. Many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And many have been called and ordained of God. And they are left this place. And they are now in ministry as missionaries or as pastors or evangelists around this world. What? The anointing of God has made the difference. We've prayed and God has moved. We've waited 
and God has shown up. We believed and God has rewarded. We've, been, we've given and God has blessed. However, I'm here to tell you, the party is not over. The curtain has not fallen. Forgive me, but the fat lady hasn't sung her last song. And I'm here to tell you, God's still up to something. And God is looking for people who will continue to carry his treasure in jars of clay. To pour this beautiful anointing oil upon the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls that are empty that we encounter every day of our life. Our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, they're empty. And they need oil. And if you don't have it, then for God's sake, get it. And if you got it, for God's sake, let's begin to pour it out. But the truth of the matter is, our God said, I will on this last day pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Tomorrow you may face your own giant. You don't need a name of a famous preacher. You don't need to go to some convention center to come to your side. You have the name of Jesus Christ. You have the word of God. And you have the anointing of God's Holy Spirit within you. I remind you, you have the author, you have the anointer, you have the baptizer, you have the healer, you have the Holy Ghost at all times with you at all places. So you tell that giant about your God and you let the anointing on the inside come out of you in the name of Jesus. Uh, This is not about me. This is not about you. It's all about him. Your enemy may be big, but my God is bigger. Your sickness may be heartfelt, but our God is bigger. Your dilemma may be over your head, but thank God every problem you got over your head, God has a under his feet tonight and I'm here to tell you you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ the Lord that has loved you tell the giant about your God and let the anointing on the inside come out in the name of Jesus again it's not about us it's all about him we may not have Elijah among us uh, we may not have Billy Graham among us uh, we may not have John Kilpatrick among us but we got the same Holy Ghost they got hold of them that's among us tonight and if you and I will simply get out of the way and let him have his way God will build the church with power and with glory and with majesty tonight. Hallelujah. It's not about big names. It's about a big God and his name is Jesus Christ. There are nobody his equal. There's no one any greater. There's no one any more powerful. There's no one any more mighty. His name is Jesus. He overcame death. He overcame the grave. He overcame life. He overcame devils. He overcame demons. He overcame sickness. And thank God he's an overcomer. And that God who's the Lord of the church, he lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He lives tonight. Can you say amen? Will you dare to get yourself ready for the anointing of God? Will you dare present your body as a jar of clay, (laughs) empty on the inside, but say, Lord, I come to let you invest your life in me by pouring your anointing into this jar of clay tonight. We do not need a visitation of the Holy Spirit. We need a habitation of the Holy Spirit. Then invest your life in pouring the anointing, the oil, in the lives of other people. The world at its worst needs the church at our best. And we can only be our best when the anointing of God is flowing. (laughs) 